Hey, family, I bless you now in the name of Jesus. I bless you that you would know Jesus more wonderfully during this time. I bless you to experience healing, healing in your body, in your mind, in your emotions, in your spirit. I bless you to know the guidance and help of God in your life these days, that you would flourish and prevail in whatever your challenges, and that you would experience the love and the joy and the hope and the peace that comes from God, that you experience that very deeply and really uh, during this time. And in Jesus' name, I bless you. May it be. All right, welcome to our series entitled The Bible Land and biblical faith. In case you're new here or have been away for a few weeks, we're learning together what the land of the Bible is like, and we're looking at the different regions around the land, and we are getting a sense of of what it looks like with pictures, and we are getting this idea of the different strengths and challenges of each of the regions of the land, and then we're also learning different um, everyday faith lessons, very gritty, powerful, pertinent, what it is to live by faith in each of these different contexts. And, and we're learning then again what it's like for, for us to live by faith in our context. Living by faith isn't just this like, um, yes, I have faith, you know, it's out there somewhere. Uh, we're talking about like the everyday faith. Living by faith in the day-to-day. Here's a, here's a map of, of where we've come in our series thus far. We've talked, um, kind of gone north to south on those blue circles, following Abraham and his journey and progress into the promised land. Last week we talked about the Negev, which is a very dry, deserty place, semi-desert and desert place down to the south. Well, we, we've got to the bottom now, and we are going to start to turn back around and look at a, a different region. Uh, we're going to look at a region called uh, the Hill Country of Judah today. And this is the heartland, the heartland. So you can see on these maps here, one is our normal map, that one on the left. And you can see where the Hill Country of Judah fits in, in our study thus far. Um, the more detailed map on the right shows um, that the, the Hill Country of Judah sits uh, just south of the, the land of Benjamin, which we talked about previously, and stretches all the way down to the Negev, which we talked about last week. It's bordered on each side by the wilderness, which we will talk about at some point, and the Shephelah, which we will talk about uh, next week. But anyways, so we're the hill country. This is the middle. This, this is the, the, the heart of the country. Let, let's see what it looks like. Here's some pictures of what it looks like. Um, this is a very beautiful and safe land. The hill country of Judah is the beautiful and safe land. The hills are windy. They are steep. There's not a straight line in the place. Like, it, it just wanders and meanders. It, it gets some good rainfall, as you see, 24 to 28 inches or so. So the, the land has got a lot of green there. It's a good place to grow grapes and olives and, and all that kind of stuff. When, when God's people were thinking about the promised land, the dreamland, the ideal, this is the part of the land that they were, they were thinking about, the hill country land of Judah. You read about this in, say, 1 Kings, at different points in the Bible, but 1 Kings chapter 4 talks about how this, this vision of everyone being under their own vine, everyone being under their own fig tree, it is like being content, having this peaceful, peaceful place. It's rural. It's a, it's a rural land. Travelers don't go through most of this land. Armies never go through most of this land. Most of the hill country is accessed just by these local 
pathways. Uh, it's the home of very conservative people, very simple people, very peaceful people. If you like Lord of the Rings, you might be thinking like the Shire, right? Uh, armies don't go there. Very peaceful place. Just content, peaceful, simple, simple place. There's not a lot of stories that take place here out in this, in this region because um, the battles and the conflicts and the political intrigues, that's, that's not what this area is like. And, and so we don't read a lot about these, these places. Maybe one of the more famous stories that takes place in this area is the story where, where Mary, Jesus' mother, uh, when she is pregnant, she comes down and visits and stays with Elizabeth for a few months. Uh, Elizabeth lives in the hill country. You can understand that, that Elizabeth... Uh, that um, Mary, one, you know, fleeing the, the scandal of the pregnancy when she wasn't married to Joseph yet and, 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 and going to the, the middle of nowhere, this quiet, hidden, safe, uh, safe place. Uh, consequently, it's also the land where John the Baptist grew up. Just a fun fact for you, since we're hill, here in the hill country, while we're thinking about Mary being pregnant with Jesus, this is what mangers look like. This is what mangers looked like in, uh, in, this, in this area, which includes the Bethlehem area. They were stone. They were chiseled out. Almost certainly that's, that's the kind of thing that, were, uh, that Jesus was placed in as a baby. Um, fun fact. Man, super fun. Super fun. <laughs> uh, that's free. Okay, so uh, this is a, a picture from the hill country more to the south. The further south you go, the less, the less steep the hills are, the more dry. We're getting closer to the, the Negev. Uh, just, just keeping this, this, I want you to keep these pictures in mind as we, we talk about today. Because the, the hill country was so much the ideal for, for most of life. Peace. Contentment. People would just say, you know, if I had a vine, if I had a fig tree, if I had safety, then that would be enough. So that's what the area looks like, the hill country looks like, and, and that's kind of the vibe of, of the area, but I want to just make, you, make sure we understand this is not a holiday place. This is not a holiday place. It is a land where you needed to learn to live by faith. Just like all the other parts of the promised land, um, some say, you know, if I had peace and, and if it was a beautiful place and, and safety and, and all that, then that would be enough. But, but friends, every part of the land requires everyday faith. Every part of our life, every, every life er, that, that is represented watching this right now, every one of our lives um, has its challenges. It has its, its, its wonderful aspects and its challenges. And it's in these challenges where we're tested whether we are going to actually live by faith, making, making uh, difficult decisions to trust God in the day to day. What, what, are, what are the day-to-day, -day, uh, what's the day-to-day -day look like for the hill country of Judah here? First of all, it was a land of peace and not laziness. It was a land of very hard work, very hard work. Here's a picture of terraced farming. Uh, these, in this picture, happen to be olive trees here. In order to grow food on the hillside, you had to build terraces. So you'd have to build a stone wall, and then you would 
go from the bottom of the hill and you would cart up, uh, you know, buckets, wheelbarrows, whatever. Uh, you, would, you would drag up the dirt from the very bottom to fill in these, these troughs. It would be like troughs where you'd, you'd have a wall and then you'd have a hole. And you'd, you'd put the, why would you drag the dirt up from the bottom as opposed to grab it from your neighbor? <laughs> uh, because, because that's where the best soil always ends up. In fact, at the end of every season, when other people would be resting, you're, you as a terrace farmer are going to go and down to the bottom and keep dragging up fresh soil because the rains throughout the year and the wind would blow off the top of the, the best soil off the top and you'd have to go back and, and, and bring, it, bring it up. It, terrace farming is year-round hard work. You're not just a farmer, but you're a farmer who has to maintain the land lest it falls away. Here, here's a, here's a, a, a close-up here of, of what it looks like. Um, uh, just, just more. You got the walls. You got the dirt troughs. You, you've got, you've got all of that area there. It's year-round hard work. If you don't do the work, it, it collapses. Here's a picture of what happens if you're not very attentive to your terrace. Uh, it, it, it gets weak, but you don't, you can't tell unless you're paying attention and you're working on it. And then all of a sudden, in one rainfall, in one storm, it just collapses. It just collapses, and, and the soil pours out, and whatever was growing there is ruined because the, because the, the, the terrace is ruined, and, and so the crops are lost, and you have to start over. Now, remember, this is not grain territory. Grain territory, that w this would be sad. You planted some grain, it grew up, you lost it, it because the terrace fell apart in a rainstorm. This is like olive trees and vineyards. The thing, a lot of times, a lot of these plants here are, take many years to mature. So if you lose your terrace and whatever was growing there on the terrace, it's not like you just need to plant and have better luck next year. No, you need, to, it's going to take years sometimes for those, those trees to regrow and, and, and to be mature. It, it is a loss of many years of income and, and food. It's, it's devastating for, for a family if you don't keep up the hard work. So the hill country, it's a land of peace, but it's also a land of, of hard, diligent work. Something else you would want to know, it gets a decent amount of rain, like I said, but it doesn't really have enough drinking water, water for people to live. There's only a few springs around. Here's a picture of one of the springs there, and they are little springs. They're, they're not rushing springs. Uh, they, they can only support just a few people per each spring. And again, these springs are rare in the hill country. You would think that there would be more of these, but there's just not. Um, I, I've mentioned it before. I, it's strange to me that there's no year-round rivers here in the hill country. There's no, there's no water that's always flowing. There's no lakes. If it rains, the water rushes right down those, those ravines, and it just rushes out to the sea. It just flows right away. Um, so, so these springs, now these springs don't produce enough water even to generate a year-round trickle or brook or stream or, or anything. There's, there's, there's just not enough water coming out of these, these streams. So there's a water challenge here. Here's some facts about some of the water challenges in this area. The average American family of three uses 118,000 gallons of water per year. Okay? I mean, you got to... You gotta, you gotta love the hydration thing, right? So that, that's, I don't have a UK fact, I just, it was from an American, I got these statistics. Secondly, according to the World Health Organization, the minimum, the minimum amount of water needed for a family of six 
is 11,600 gallons per year. Minimum, according to World Health Organization, 11,600 gallons per year. In this area here, in the Middle East here, the average family of six in this area had only 5,300 gallons of water per year. That, that's less than half of what the World Health Organization says that a family of six needs. That The family of six, they have less than half. And so how do they deal with that shortage here in the Hill Country? Well, they were creative with what they did have. Most of the area grew grapes, and so the juice of the grapes would be supplementing the water shortage. And so and they would ferment the grapes in the juice so that it would last longer throughout the year. But yeah, cre they, they creatively adapted to the challenges and the shortcomings as they could here in this area. Wine was not a luxury item in this area. It was essential to make up for the lack of water for the family. In areas where you had animals, milk would, sub, would, uh, would supplement the water shortages. Uh, in areas where you grew pomegranates, pomegranate juice would supplement. You know, you, you get the idea. So they're creative. They're creative when dealing with this water challenge. The last thing that I want to say about this area was although they worked hard on farming, and although they would overcome water shortage issues creatively, in a normal year, their food would run out, in a normal year, their food would run out 60 days before the next harvest came in. Their food supply ran 60 days short, two months short, two, two months short. Now, they, they had enough food for most of the year. Uh, but there was that big 60-day gap at the end. H how do you love that idea? How do you love that idea? You're, you're living there with your family. In a normal year, your food supply is going to run 60 days short. And the question would be, will God provide for our family, even though we can clearly see and know that it, our food ought to run out 60 days before the next harvest comes in? How do you like that faith challenge? And then you, you, you take the next step, one more faith pressure step later. In a normal year, their food would run out 60 days short and God was still calling them to bring their first and their best as an offering to God. First. In those days it was 20% to God. I mean, what a faith challenge, right? What a faith challenge. They can see that they don't have enough. And God keeps calling them to trust Him to provide for them when they can see with their own eyes that there's, there's no way, naturally, humanly speaking, that, that, that this is going to work out. And yet God keeps calling them to bring their offerings, to, to trust Him by, by living with, with faith and trusting God to provide the rest. In fact, these words in the book of Haggai, they're written to the people of the hill country. They're written to the people of the hill country, especially around Jerusalem, which was uninhabited in Haggai's day. It was being rebuilt, but there wasn't uh, residences there. We know that from the book of Nehemiah. It says, you have planted much, but harvested little. That's, that's talking about the, this hill country, this terrace area that you can see. You eat, but never have enough to be satisfied. Okay, that's, that's part of this hill country dilemma, food shortage. You drink, 
but never have enough to be happy. And you might think, well, that's, that's about um, wine. No, it's, it's the water shortage. It's the liquid shortage here. You drink, but never have enough to be happy. You put on clothes, but never have enough to get warm. You, the wage earner puts his wages into a bag with a hole in it. Then basically, Haggai calls them to get the God stuff right first in their lives. He tells them, you know, go out and, and, and work on his, his house, his temple. Get the temple uh, restored first. Get the offerings, bringing the, the, the offerings first. And then trust God to take care of, of your, your house. You take care of God's stuff uh, then, then, then God will take care of your stuff. So that's kind of where that book of Haggai goes there in that first chapter. And, and, he, and so this is right at the heart of the, the continual faith challenge for the hill country people. I have in my notes the, the question, would these people who obviously valued safety and security and peace, these are not wild, rogue faith peoples, they obviously valued safety and security and peace. Would these people trust God to provide enough food for their families to live if they bring their offerings to God first, even when they are already running short of food? Can they trust Him to provide for the rest? What do you think they did? What, what would you do? What, what do you do in, in moments like this? They, they struggled. They struggled throughout the generations to, to bring their offerings to God, to live by faith. I, I love the hill country of Judah. I, I love the, 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 the very gritty, real faith challenges associated with area. And I see, looking at this area, four encouragements Four encouragements that we can, we can receive today from this part of the land. Four encouragements to what it is to live by faith very practically, uh, day by day. The first encouragement I get from this land is be thankful for the goodness that you do have in your life. Be thankful for the goodness you do have in your, in your life. Can you see the beauty and the goodness in your life still? I'm thinking about that, you know, the, 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 where we started this whole message, talking about the safety and the beauty and, and, and of, the, of this area. Or are you so focused on your fears and your anxieties, uh, the things that are troubling you? Are, you? are you worried about the things that aren't going well? Are you, are you too consumed with those so you can't remember the goodness of the land and of the life that God has brought you to? Can you see the beauty? Can you see the goodness still in your life? I know that our Bible read-through groups are roughly all in the same place. I keep seeing Paul in his letters writing about the soul, S-O-U-L, the soul important attribute that is thankfulness. The soul important practice which is articulating thankfulness. I can't encourage you enough. Whatever, whatever your stresses or pressures or fears, never stop being thankful, articulating out loud your thankfulness to God for the good things that are in your life. Paul says in Colossians chapter 4, stay alert with thanksgiving. He says in Colossians 3, let peace... Rule your heart 
and be thankful. He says in Philippians 4, don't worry, keep praying with thankfulness. He says in Ephesians 5, give thanks always, always. Family, you're going to collapse if you only focus on the challenges. You're, there, there is goodness in your life, and we got to keep thankful about the good that we do have. Can you see the beauty in your life? Can, can you see the goodness right in front of you? If you can't, we're going to collapse in our fears, even though we've been given uh, good things as well. So that's the first thing. That's the first encouragement I see in this area. Can you uh, be thankful for the goodness that you do have in your life? The second one is connected to the lesson of terrace farming. Terrace farming. And, and the, the encouragement for us is to be diligent and keep working hard on your soul. Keep working hard on your soul. If you stop working on your spiritual life, your soul, things will fall apart quicker than you'd expect. Now, oftentimes we think we can just kind of coast. We can just kind of coast spiritually and it's fine. We can pick up whenever. But you know what? Sometimes just one storm will, will, will knock your wall down, right? Now, I'm going to say it this way. Many, many, not all, not all, many of the emotional issues that we are challenged by, many of the mental issues that we're challenged by, many of the anxiety issues we are challenged by, many of the darkness issues that we're challenged by, many of the anger issues that we are challenged by, they are often connected, at least somewhat, to a neglected soul, to an undercultivated soul. Now, I'm not saying that's the only factor at all. There's lots of factors here. But your, the cultivation of our soul is so important to our, our mental health, our, our emotional health, our, and, and our whole life. They're integrated more than we tend to, to pay attention to. I'm, I'm diligent with my soul every morning. I'm commanding my soul these days to be calm. I'm commanding my, my soul to be, to be thankful, to trust Jesus with the day, to not let stress take over, to not let anxiety take over, to be calm, to be patient, to live with love and joy. Am I always acing it? No. No, no, no. But I'm trying. And, and, and some days are, are better than others. It's, it's hard for me. And I just like I'm sure it's for all of us. It takes so much intentionality to keep our hearts calm these ways. Uh, these days. It's a battle, but I'm working diligently on it, and I encourage us to keep diligent when it comes to working on our soul. Thankfulness can also help there. The third thing that I wanted to say is uh, a lesson connected to the water shortage. The water shortage. And it's this. Be creative with what God has given you to make up for what He hasn't. Be creative with what God has given you. Sometimes... God gives you enough, and he has given you enough, but it wasn't what you were thinking, and so you, you might be thinking you're lacking when he's already provided. It's a small point here, but sometimes we complain to God, God, I don't have enough, and yet it's right there in the attic. It's right there, it's right there somewhere, in, in a friendship or whatever. The Hill Country lesson, it, it, you know, you, you've got this hardworking people You've got this hard people, and then when they don't have enough, they get creative, right? 
They get creative to overcome the challenges that they, they have as, creative, as creatively as they can. And I encourage us to that too. To, they, they pray and they ask God to provide. And I encourage us to do that. Pray and ask God to provide while we're working hard. And while we're making as many creative adjustments as we can. But the days do come when there is nothing left. And there isn't any more creative things that we can do. And in those moments, living by faith gets gritty. <laughs> it gets gritty. It gets, it gets gritty real. Gritty real. And the challenge in those moments is always this, number four, get the God stuff right. And then trust Him with the rest. And this is the food shortage challenge. Get the God stuff right. And then trust Him with the rest. I know a lot of people in our city here, in our church, who live with hill country-like pressures. Where month by month, week by week, day by day, they're trusted not to trust God with their money situations. Where they can look at their lives and they can see that the numbers aren't going to add up. And think there's gonna be we're going to be short between when this money runs out and when the next money comes in. And, and they, they experience that hill country like challenge. Am I, when I know I'm running short, going to put God first? Am I going to give my first and my best to God? Or am I going to hold back in this season and, and, and not trust Him when, when the money is tight? And, and friends, I just want to remind you, when, it's when money is tight that trusting God is most real. It's not, it's not when we're trusting God for more, more. I've got plenty and extra, and now I'm trusting God for more. Where, where it's really real is when I can see I don't have enough, and yet I'm still going to trust God with my first and best and go, go from there. I bet that many of you have trusted God in your finances at different times in the past. And, and, and where you have seen God provide for you, when you stepped out in this kind of faith, and you, you stepped out and trusted God, maybe you brought your offering and you saw that it wasn't going to work out, but somehow God provided. I encourage you to share that. I encourage you, maybe drop a, a, something on the chat right now or, 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 or for, for share time later. But, but, you know, like, have you seen God provide? Testify to one another, encourage one another, build one another up in this. Because when you were standing there at the moment when you can see you don't have enough money, it is a scary faith test moment. It's very real. And yet God says, trust me, trust me, and get, get the me stuff right first and, and see that I am trustworthy with the rest. God, you say you will provide. So I'm going I'm to take you up on that. If you've been around here for a long time, you know we don't, we don't actually talk much about money uh, at the church here, but I, I, wanna, I want you to to just not forget that living with everyday faith includes actually uh, being committed to God with, with your offerings. We don't, we don't like to talk about the church's situation. Um, just assume the church situation is fine. If it's not, we'll, we'll tell you. It's not about the church situation. This is about your situation. And this is about your faith. And this is about your, um, your walk with God. I encourage you to, to keep giving even when you're not sure how it's all going to work out. That's what living by faith is.
Maybe that's your faith challenge these days. I have three challenges for, for us today. The first challenge is, first of all, praise God for seven things that you're thankful for. Seven things. You're like, Brian, why so few? I know, I know. It's just, it's just to get you started. It's get, get you started. If you're competitive, um, you can come up with um, the most of anybody in the church or something like that. And uh, you, you, can, you can email me. Um, you can email me how many you did. My email in this case would be not Brian's email at rehope.co.uk. And happy to hear from you there. <laughs> uh, second challenge is if you have been neglecting your soul, uh, try doing four of the eight and eight prayer calls this week. We have Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, eight in the morning, eight in the evening. Doesn't matter if you do morning or evening or a mixture of the two. If you feel like you've had a hard time um, getting your soul back reengaged, try, try four of them this week. Kind of be committed. I'm going to do all the mornings. I'm going to do all the evenings. I'm going to do a mixture, but I'm going to do four. Uh, maybe tr we're here to help you with this. We're not just, we're not just uh, encouraging this. We're, we're here to help you. And thirdly, if your giving isn't reflecting trusting God first, make the adjustments today. Maybe you just need to check in. Maybe you just need to check in and make, make some adjustments. I want to pray for us all. I want to pray for faith and for courage uh, to, to trust God in these days. Um, uh, let me just do that right now. Uh, God, we, we trust you. Help us to trust you. And God, uh, we, we are thankful that, that all you have needed, you, all that we've needed, you've always provided. Your, faithful to, your faithfulness to us has been amazing throughout our lifetime. And yet, God, I know that there, that there are moments right now where it's, it's difficult to take those very real, gritty faith steps and trusting you. God, I ask that faith would rise in our church and that fears and doubts would go down in the name of Jesus. That, you, that there would be a, a, a swelling of faith-filled audacity when it comes to following you and following your ways. And God, I ask an extraordinary blessing on those who choose, when they, especially when they can't see how the, the money is going to work out, who still choose to trust you with their first and best. God, that you would be above and beyond providing for them. In, in their context, in their situations. That you would honor every step of faith and every step of obedience. And, and same for, for all of us, God. Everybody who brings uh, their first and best, God, that, that you would smile and shine and bless them. And bless them. I just ask for that in Jesus' name. Amen.